0: One of my favorite things to do each and every week is to listen to y'all sing. But with the worship team taking the month of, month of July off, y'all are even way louder. And I love that. It's one of my favorite things about Sundays is sitting here in the front listening to you all and your voices as you sing. We've had a crazy week this week. It's we're post to VBS, and so many of you served and, and played a role in VBS this weekend. And so I want to say thank you to those of you who served and participated in that. Uh, wonderful ministry opportunity that we were all able to uh, to witness and see and be a part of and this morning our our student ministry many from our student ministry left for their mission trip this week in in uh, the Appalachian Valley area in Kentucky and so they're going to be serving down there this week so be praying for them but a lot of ministry happening during the summer and uh, it's so encouraging from my perspective to see and hear all the stories about how God is working and how he's moving. So we are in part three of a series called The Best is Yet to Come. This is a series on heaven, and so we've learned so far that we can hold fast to the promise of heaven. In John 14, Jesus made a promise to prepare a place for us, and so we can hold fast to that promise and what he has promised for us. And then last week we learned that the current heaven is a placeholder for eternity, that our citizenship is in heaven. That's our home. So let's talk about home for just a minute. It may not be the case for everyone, but most people love home. Home is where the heart is. The, there really is no place on the planet like your home. You don't have to pretend to be someone else there. You can just be you at home. I can relax, I'm gonna speak from my perspective, but at home I can relax. I can sit in my favorite chair. I can eat the foods that I like and drink coffee as long as I want because it's decaf, because I can't drink caffeinated coffee anymore. And I can just watch my favorite farmers on YouTube. I love home. If you don't know what that is, it is as weird as it sounds. But in your own home, your home, you can design how it looks, your pictures, uh, your furniture, and if your name is Brittany, it's a lot of green plants that need water, and they're everywhere, so maybe you, you identify, but the people that you love are there. At home, the people that you you love deeply are, they surround you, and and, and laughter fills that space, and and memories are made around tables and when meals are had. And 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 home is a special place for most people. It's It's where we belong. It's where you belong. Yet this home of home of ours, the way we feel when we're there, it's it's just a shadow. It's just a taste of the belonging That we are going to feel When we get to this place called heaven And we have to remember that all of the best gifts That that God blesses us with on this earth Are just a preview Of what heaven is actually going to be like And it's, it's just meant to, in some ways Hold us over Our human minds often can't Comprehend much beyond what we actually know and what we can see and, and touch and taste on our own or what we've experienced. And, and, and God knows that. He knows that, which is why he, he gives us information. It's why he gives us all the information that, that clearly the information that we, we need in the Bibles and, and to most of the questions that come up. And so we're gonna take the next two weeks specifically... And we're going to look at what God tells us about this future heaven. So we've talked about the promise that God has made, uh, made, given us. And we've talked about what heaven currently is for those who are currently in that place, who have passed away. And the next two weeks is going to be about that future home, where we'll all be together. And there's some great questions that have been asked. There are some great questions things that have been written, and we're going to talk about a few of those things, and so uh, they're fun, and maybe you've wondered some of these before, and I've alluded to this a couple of times throughout this series, but is heaven going to be boring because forever is a really long time? That has always been one of my biggest questions when I think about heaven, like forever is forever, Like wrapping your mind around just that word itself is really hard to to do What in the world could we possibly do for eternity and not get tired of it? I like riding dirt bikes and four-wheelers, but eventually I can't feel my thumb and, you know, things go numb And it's just, it gets, it gets old You know, the last, you know, the gnats in your eyes and all the things But heaven's not going to be boring because our God wouldn't have been telling the truth when he said that there is joy forevermore and that it's a place of eternal pleasure. So he has to have something beyond our imagination in mind for that place. And, and we can look forward to so many things. We can look forward to the meals that we're gonna have, which, which the feasts is how the Bible describes it, which means it's, it's gotta be really good. So it's, like, it's better than Mrs. Yoder's. It's got to be good. Uh, It's going to be filled with singing and relationships. There'll be city life. There'll be country life for all the rednecks who are like, wait, I don't want to be in some city all the time. It's 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 the new Jerusalem on a new earth, which means it's not just a box. It's not just a city. And all of that can be found in our Bibles. It will be our new favorite home. It will be the best upgrade that we'll ever experience Many of you remember your first home And then your second home And like each step is just a little bit better than the first This one won't compare to your home that you have now And then one of the questions that we get often is, is heaven actually a real place? And yes, we're certain that God tells us, but contrary to what some modern influencers may say in our culture today, heaven is not just, the afterlife is not just a state of mind. And we hear that a lot, but it's a literal, physical location, and that's good news for believers and good motivation for us to be sharing the good news of the gospel with people who need to hear it. Another question that you'll hear, and you've maybe even Googled this before, is how old will we be in heaven? Will we be the same age in heaven as we are when we we die here on earth? I mean, heaven sounds cool, but you may not want to be 90 for the rest of eternity. And maybe the 90s have been good for you, and you're like, hey, it's been my best decade. I don't know. But maybe we don't want to be 90 in heaven. And this one, we're actually given less info about, but some theologians have some different, different theories on this. I'm going to read a couple of them to you. The first one is, since mid-30s is the age that our bodies actually start decaying, which is encouraging, great. <laughs> that we might just be under the age of 30 in heaven. That's one theory. And these are just theories, like, you could come up with your own theory. Uh, number two is, we just might be ageless like the elves in Lord of the Rings. Which, you know, a lot of people love that. I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. Or babies and children who died might be given the opportunity to grow to full maturity in heaven. And that's based on Isaiah chapter 11, referencing children who are in heaven. It's all very interesting, and I can't wait to see how it all works out. And we haven't even covered the topic yet of of animals in heaven. That comes up a lot in conversations that I have with people, and it's very hotly debated, at least in my house, because we've lost several cats to the haybine in the last couple of years. And so, so you know, Pepper's going to be in heaven, right, Dad? And it's like, oh, do I lie? Do I tell the truth? I don't know. But one thing is certain, no cats are going to be there. So I don't know. So I'm sorry, Denise. I'm sorry. Uh, Denise almost left the church last time I said that. So, But no, I'm just kidding about that. But I do believe there will be animals in heaven. We do see scriptures making it clear that there will be animal life in heaven. Randy Alcorn, who is uh, an author and ministry founder, he speaks and writes a lot on the topic of heaven. He says that he believes, he actually believes that our loved pets specifically will be in heaven. And it's not because of the condition of their souls, he writes But because what he reads of God's goodness and character Makes him think that that's just like our God To make heaven even more awesome by having our favorite pets there for us to love and enjoy Who knows? But if angels are there without souls We can't say God couldn't do it I don't know that he will, but I don't know that that he hasn't So maybe they will be The other question is where will we all live up there? Now if you grew up in church like I did You probably sang a song About having a mansion just over the hilltop Now I hate to break it to you But that song is doctrinally incorrect Uh, We will not have our own mansion Over a hilltop The Greek word for mansions Or gets translated mansions Is actually our, our own rooms Inside of a bigger home So will it be like like a hotel? Will it be like condominiums? I, you know, I don't know. We're not exactly sure, but we know that there is country life and there is city life. We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. But here's what we, we must understand as we study this Heaven is where God is. And although that may not make a ton of sense to our, our earthly thinking right now, in heaven, that will truly be enough for us. And we will fully understand that when we are in his presence. We will be home. Remember that everything will be new, including you. I want you to just follow along as I read 1 Corinthians 15. Paul writes, he says, "...so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power." It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As we, the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are in heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, there's a lot going on in that text from a from a theological perspective with the first Adam and the last Adam, and that represents Jesus Christ, the last Adam. One Adam brought death. And the other one brought life. The point that Paul's trying to make is, is, is actually simple. that The first Adam is dead, and we all have and had that body. But in Christ, we are united with him. So when we are resurrected, we will have a glorified body just like his. The other question that we get often, and I have, we've talked about this often in this series so far, is will we know each other? In heaven. And almost every respected theologian uh, believes that we will know our loved ones in heaven, that we'll know and recognize them. Jesus could be recognized in his resurrected body. He, he had meals with his followers. Uh, you could still see the nail scars in his pierced side. You could still see those things. And last week I mentioned that David writes, as, as he was inspired by God to do so, that he would be reunited with his, with his son who had died. And when Paul told the Thessalonians that, that he was looking forward to being reunited with them in heaven, this wouldn't be such a comfort If we couldn't recognize anyone And another big question that comes up And this comes up a lot for me In conversations And that is simple When will this all be over? Like when will this life on earth When will this come to an end? When will all the pain and all the suffering Is he ever coming back? Is he ever going to take us home? I love what Peter says about this He reminds the church because, listen, this is not a new question that is being asked. This is a question of the ages. The disciples were asking the same question When will Jesus come back? And Peter responds and he says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will be melt by the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. The same idea from Isaiah shows up here in 2nd Peter. It also is found in Revelation. So if you've heard nothing up to this point, there is coming a day when there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth just like there will be a new you. It will all be restored. It will all be fixed. It will all be made right. The new earth will be perfect. It will be perfect just like Eden was. And it will be so far beyond our what we can imagine on our earthly sin impacted minds. And this place will be filled with life. It's going to be filled with food and love and peace and rivers and animals. The tree of life will be there. There will be no death there will be no pain. There are going to be no suffering and guilt and betrayal. There are going to be no bills to pay. Hallelujah. No inflation and gas prices going up. Goodness gracious. Those things will be gone, those burdens will be gone. So we have to keep in mind the difference between the current heaven and the future heaven. Remember, right now in the current heaven, things are peaceful. The main job is to worship and wait We don't have our bodies Those types of things We may in the current heaven have some type of You know recollection of Memories because we we read that the martyrs are crying out for justice But things aren't yet made completely new Like what is coming In the future heaven everything will be fresh and the ultimate best version of things that we have now animals that don't bite like in eden meaningful work with no sweat as nick and i were talking about this morning cutting wood and like just sweating and being drenched with sweat no no muscles that tire no you know flowers with no thorns and no allergies that would be great cuz pollen is killing me right now the best heaven modification take away anything painful or unpleasant. If you have a Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 21. Here in Revelation 21, John is going to give us some details about this new heaven and this new earth, and so for the next two weeks, we are going to be camped out here in Revelation 21 and 22, and John gives us some really important specifics here in these two chapters, and 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 there's some language that can be really challenging and difficult to understand. And I'm going to do my best to to bring some of it to light. But the picture is the same. This is is beyond anything that we can imagine. So verse 1 of Revelation 21 says this. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Why do you see a new heaven and a new earth? For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. The first thing that we have to remember as we read the beginning of this text is simple. We will enjoy heaven. We're going to enjoy it. It has been prepared for us. But it hasn't just been prepared as something spectacular. It has been prepared as like a bride. You see this bride language often in connection to Jesus and his church. It is a gift. It is something to enjoy. Our relationship with the God of the universe upon salvation is meant for us to find fulfillment and joy in. And so we find joy in knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior, and heaven is going to be an extension of of that enjoyment. If we think that we might long for home when we get there, If we might just for a second miss our lives on this earth, we won't. We're not going to miss it. Heaven will be our home, a place like we've never seen. Once again, I want to read something that Randy Alcorn says about this. He says, we won't miss our old lives. And they ask this question, have you ever bought an economy ticket for a flight, but because of overbooking been upgraded to first class? Did you regret the upgrade, Randy says And if you've ever You don't Did you spend your time wondering What am I missing by not being In the back of the plane You see the upgrade from Earth to heaven will be vastly superior To that from any economy To first class If we would miss something from our old lives It would be available To us in heaven, why? Because we will experience all That God intends for us He fashions us to want precisely what he will give us. So what he gives us will be exactly what we want. I think it's interesting. Verse 3 continues. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God Here's something that is so beautiful Nothing will be drawing us away from God when we get to heaven We have a relationship with him right now But it will be new and it will be even better in heaven We will no longer be talking to the Father who is in heaven, but we will be talking to him face-to-face in heaven. We will be in the presence of his holiness forever. People, even my own kids, have asked me, how do we know this won't all start over again, though? Like, in heaven, like, like what if someone sins like, like Adam and Eve did in the garden, and the cycle restarts, it's a good question. But what a nightmare it is if you think about it. But it's nothing that we need to worry about. And there's just a few reasons that I've researched over the years that Satan is the originator of sin. It all started with him and his rebellion, and he won't be there. He won't be there to tempt us or cause us To sin, We will no longer have a sin nature. We will have our glorified bodies. And God's word tells us that that there is a sealing that takes place, that we are sealed at salvation, that nothing is going to change that. And nowhere does he mention in the Bible that he's given us that this place is temporary. I mean, wouldn't as a good father, wouldn't he warn us? Like he did in the garden with Adam and Eve? That we might be in danger of falling prey to sin once again He never makes us guess And he always warns us Why would he promise this this glory and enjoyment and fulfillment If heaven is at risk? Would a good God promise forever and eternity with him If there was a chance it wouldn't happen? Those are good questions to consider and you'll find the answers to those questions and the promises that he gives us. Verse 4 continues. This is the most quoted. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The effects of sin will be gone, and they will be gone forever. There will be no more abuse. If you grew up in an abusive situation, maybe when I talk about home, home brings up some really bad memories and you're really longing for this home where where there'll be no painful memories of that abuse. There'll be no more addiction in this place. There'll be no more poverty. There won't be any betrayal or divorce or murder or greed or failure, disappointments. There'll be no sex slave industry. There'll be no cancer, disease. There'll be no regrets. That's what heaven is holding for us. Once again, I want to quote Randy Alcorn. He says, In heaven, we'll never forget the ugliness of sin, however. But having known death and life, we who experience life will never want to go back to death. We'll never be deceived into thinking God is withholding something good from us or that sin is in our best interests. We'll always know sin's cost. Every time we see the scarred hands of Jesus, we'll remember. We'll see sin as God does. And it will be stripped of its illusions and will be utterly unappealing. The effects of sin will be gone. I hate sin. And I'm a sinner. And I'm so tired of the battle and the struggle that I have with my own sin and selfishness. And I'm sick of sin's curse in our world I'm sick of it I'm tired of it And I'm looking forward to the day That we will no longer have to worry about it Because it will be gone Forever Verse 5 And he who was seated on the throne said Behold, I am making all things new Also he said, write this down For these words are trustworthy and true He will make all things new A new that we have yet to experience. Sin is gone and all that comes with it, and it will all be brand new. And here's the thing: we will be completely satisfied. I I don't, that's something that I don't think any of us have truly felt. I mean, we have so much in Christ. Like He has given us everything that we need He's given us his spirit He's given us his word He's he's given us memories and things That we we, we can engage in and be involved in We have so much in Christ But that human weakness and discontentment Will be gone That struggle of other things Trying to pull us from Christ And satisfy us Will be gone. All things will be made new. Verse six. I love this verse. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of rot water of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. We will be safe forever. No worries Absolute safety What a great Day that will be A safety Like we've, we've never really felt I mean when, when the presence of fear Will no longer be felt And although we're told To fear not and to trust We still experience Fear and anxiety at times But that will be Totally gone in heaven My heart can't even fathom What that day will be like But there is a comparison to this safety Because he's not done Verse 8 But as for the cowardly, the faithless The detestable, as for murderers The sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters And all liars Their portion will be in the lake of fire That burns with fire and sulfur Which is the second death And here's the promise that, that, that God is making Sin and death will be banished forever. It will all come to an end. Satan will be punished forever. Sin and those who choose to remain a slave to sin, to their sin, will be in this place called the lake of fire. But it doesn't have to be that way. And please hear that there is a rescue. And it's the rescue that Jesus Christ has provided us by coming and living the life that we couldn't live and paying the price for sin so we can look forward to this promised place called heaven because heaven will be the best home. 1st John chapter 2 reminds us that Jesus came as the payment for our sin. And that's why he is so patient in his return. As 2nd Peter reminded us that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. He's going to fulfill his promise one way or another. Whether in in my death or his coming for me, one way or another, he will fulfill his promise. He is not slow as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, that's the heart of our Father. There's no elitism in heaven. He came for mankind. And he offers that to you. And everyone who hears the gospel appeal, as Paul calls it, has the opportunity and responsibility to respond to it themselves. No one will ever get to eternity and say, based on what the scriptures have taught us, that a way was not made for me. That the gospel was not available to me. Because that would contradict 90% of what the scriptures say A way has been made for every Heart that is beating And every heart that will beat What will you do With the invitation We all have and have the same Responsibility to repent And believe which is why Jesus gave us The command And God loves us And there's no reason that you Need to spend eternity in that place called hell, the lake of fire because he sent his son to rescue you and so the question that I ask frequently is simple who in your life needs to hear that good news lots of kids at VBS got to hear about Jesus and what he did for them So who can you share it with? Who are you sharing it with? We have a great responsibility to proclaim the gospel to a world that needs to hear it. Paul says, how will they hear without a preacher? That's not just talking about me. How will they know without us proclaiming the good news of the gospel? There is no greater message to share than the message of the gospel. We get distracted by a lot of things in our culture. I understand that. But who can you share it with? Who are you building that relationship with that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Who are you sharing the gospel with and who are you sharing your experience with the gospel with? And here's a question that I, I don't want this is not a shaming question, but who have you invited to come and hear the gospel There's zero reason why each and every one of us Shouldn't be inviting someone to come and hear the gospel On a Sunday morning at church What greater opportunity is there? So who have you invited? Because if we believe That heaven will be the best home Why wouldn't we share it? And then the last question I asked this last week Is how is the truth of heaven If we believe this stuff Impacting our lives today How is the truth of heaven being the best home A promised home How is it impacting how you live today Does it it have an impact On your calendar The conversations you have at work The focus of your life The mission of your family Is it making any impact On you I hope it is Not because of something that I've said, but because of what God says. Andrew just mentioned it. Paul writes about it. We are to set our minds on eternity, we are to seek the things that are above. And I know we know this, but the only thing that is joining us in this new heaven and new earth are people. Maybe animals People Sometimes pastors feel that tension of Talking about proclaiming the gospel And they get labeled with things like They're seeker sensitive or whatever it may be I just view it as being obedient to the command of Jesus Christ He did not call pastors to build buildings to put money in banks but he called pastors to build churches that are full of people that are proclaiming the good news of the gospel and that's what we must be doing and if we're not we're not being faithful and when we get to heaven And he says well done thou good and faithful servant Little King James there if you didn't catch that He's not going to ask about my retirement portfolio But I'm going to give an account For the eternal things That I did on this earth Discipling my children Conviction Being a husband that Is leading my family the way Christ led the church, conviction, the people who are in my life that are going to be banished forever in the lake of fire, apart from Jesus saving them, I will give an account for those things. Now say to freak you out or to scare you, but it's just we must refocus. And remember that the best is yet to come. So why not invest in something that's eternal? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity that we've had to gather together this morning and sing together and look into the eyes of our brothers and our sisters and encourage one another to pray for one another and to hear from your word. God, one thing is certain that this human being who stands on this stage proclaiming this is never going to get it all right. But You do. So God, I pray that if the people in the room have heard nothing today, I pray that they've heard from you and from your word this morning and that they've been changed by it. God, use us for your honor and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.